Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers control their own destiny to win the next three games, and the Packers will be the number one seed in the upcoming NFC playoffs. But what if the Packers stub their toes and lose a game or two? Which NFL team would then pose the biggest threat to overtake them for the top spot? Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel, the terrific Packers beat writer for Forbes.com and Connolly Media, and the author of eight Packer books. Rob, if things play out the way I envision this season, you'll be writing a ninth book on the Packers. <laughs> Gary, it's funny you bring that up because I just had a conversation with another editor about that yesterday. So, well, the timing's we, impeccable. I, I love to yes, hear that. Is. That is, uh, but but you might be spot on if if this team winds up uh, doing what that 2010 team did and the '96 team did then it certainly seems like there's interest for a book. So we, we, we will see how, again, the last two months of this year, there, there's a lot of material there, right, Gary? Dating back oh. to, 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 to last summer and the drama with the, with the quarterback and, and, and the holdout and even going back two years to them taking Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers in all likelihood probably never playing better than he has the last couple of years, Gary, and might be in the midst of, of going back-to-back in the MVP race. They – they came up just short last year in the NFC title game to Tampa Bay. And I don't know, it, it appears to me they're, they're probably poised to go a step further, maybe two steps further this year and uh, potentially win the whole thing. So they're, they're looking pretty good, Gary, after Sunday. Yes, they are. You know, Rob, funny that you uh, brought up about the Packers and what, what a special season it's been. I gave some thought the other day to this. I've been following the Packers and the Brewers and the Bucks for like 50 years as a fan or as a reporter. And I can't remember a more compelling season than the one the Packers are going through. I mean, there's just storyline after storyline after storyline, you know, regarding this team and man, it's been a fun ride. And, uh, you know, hopefully for Packer nation, uh, it'll end up with a Super Bowl victory, but, up until now, it's just been an unbelievable season. They've got to finish it off, though, Gary. You know that's yes, that, yes. that's the that, that's kind of the standard in Green Bay. It again, nobody remembers the fifteen and one team from from twenty eleven. Nobody 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 remembers teams that lose in the NFC Championship game when 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 you are the Green Bay Packers. I, I'm with you, Gary. There have been as many storylines, if not more, with this team. Then probably any group, Gary, I can remember back to the, the 96 season. Because you remember that coming into that year, you know, Favre had, had, had spent his time in, in kind of the rehab clinic in Kansas in that particular offseason. And coming back, he said, yep, go ahead, bet against us. And, and, and sure enough, they, they took it a step further that year after falling to Dallas in, in the NFC championship game in, in 95, Gary, that 38, 27 loss, they came back the next year when, when 13 and three and won the whole kit and caboodle when they got smoking red hot in the playoffs. But you remember that, that team had a lot of drama too, Gary, with, with, sure with, did. 
with the whole Favre stuff going on and, and, you know, is he clean or not? And they had a ton of injuries that year. They lost Brooks in, in week six to that torn ACL. A couple of weeks later, Freeman broke his arm. They didn't have any receivers. They, you know, that the, they went to Dallas, they went to Kansas city, got their, you know, helmets handed to them a little bit and people were panicking and, what does Ron Wolf do that year? Right. He signs Andre Risen, yeah. you know, just minutes after that Dallas loss. And um, he, he kind of helped turn around the season. They, they, they got the defense, uh, you know, playing at a remarkable level. I, I think Gary that year, they gave up 210 points, which is only 13 a game. And, and Favre took it up a notch from even where he was. And, and he won a second of three MVPs that year. And, you know, Gary, to me, when you, when you talk though about great seasons in this organization's history, you know, to me, I kind of start with 96, but, but 2021 is trending in that direction, Gary. And, and they seem to have everything in place to go ahead and do what that group did a quarter century ago. Yeah. You might uh, have to write an 800 page book on this team. I mean, <laughs> like I said, so many fascinating stories. Uh, uh, Rob, before we uh, delve into the NFC playoff race, uh, I want to quickly touch on a topic that I don't know if it ticked me off, but I find it somewhat interesting and uh, to me, it's another indicator of what a bottom line business the NFL is, what all pro sports are. And that's the story uh, centering around Antonio Brown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as you well know, Rob, Antonio Brown has had a checkered career, to say the least. And uh, when the Buccaneers brought on Brown last season, Bruce Arians, their coach, said, you know, he had a, a zero tolerance for him and one more slip up and he was done. Well, he had the slip up. He had the fake uh, COVID status and uh, the NFL suspended him for three games. And then the Buccaneers had the audacity to come out and say, gee, we don't know if we're going to bring him back for the remainder of the season. <laughs> and I just laughed, at, you know. This is the same Antonio Bryant who's pretty darn good. The same Antonio Bryant who helped the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. To me, he was the guy that got him over the hump last year. And he knew darn well they were going to bring him back no matter what. And, and now, especially with Chris Godwin being out, you know, there, there isn't any question about it at all. But it, it just tells you about the NFL that they talk a good game, but when push comes to shove, you know, it's the same old, same old. Right, Gary, you're, you're spot on. And, and again, if, if this was Equinemia St. Brown, exactly. if, if, if this was Jawan Winfrey, right? I mean, if, if, if this was a bit player on a potential championship team, he would be gone. But, but this was a guy that for a five or six year stretch uh, in the last decade, he led the NFL in receptions. He led the NFL in, in total yards in, in terms of receiving yards he was as good as it got Gary and, and probably the number one elite wide receiver in the NFL during his, during his years in, in Pittsburgh. And you're right. He helped get them over the hump last year. Desperate times call for desperate measures. They lose Godwin to the ACL MCL um, on, on Sunday night and in, in that game against new Orleans, Evans got beat up in that game Fournette got beat up in that game. They lose nine, nothing. I mean, they, they get blanked. Tom Brady hadn't been blanked in, hundred years, right, Gary? I think it was two hundred and some odd yeah. starts. Yeah, crazy and, number. And, you know, yeah, I think it was two sixteen or whatever it was. But 
you know, Tom Brady has been a major advocate and proponent of Brown through this whole thing. He, he's been in Brown's corner. He helped, he helped get him to New England for a brief stretch of time. He, he helped get him now, obviously, to Tampa Bay last year and then carrying over into this year. And, I mean, Gary Brown can't help himself. He, he's going to miss a quarter of the year or more, it seems like, every season by doing some knuckleheaded thing. It's just, it's just who the guy is. It, it, it's borderline miraculous he's in the league now. But, but, man, Gary, you and I have been around long enough to, to know it doesn't matter if it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball – I mean, if, if, if you can play, they're going to yeah. find a spot for you. Gary Urban Meyer's going to reemerge, isn't he? You oh, no question. Play. No uh, question. Uh, an absolute cancer like that who, who, who completely destroyed that, you know, I shouldn't even say destroyed the culture. He never established a culture in Jacksonville. You know, I, I won't get off on a tangent on him, but the bottom line is, you know, if you, if you can play, if you can coach, um, if, if, if your talent level is just different than everybody else's, they're going to find a spot for you. And, and yes, it's, it, it's nice to say, you know, it, it, it's fine for Bruce Arians to say that in the past. Okay. That we're not going to tolerate anything else from Brown, but, but I think we all know deep down as, as soon as something happens, if the organization really does need the player, they're going to bring him back. I mean, Tampa's Tampa's in right there, you know, nipping on green Bay's heels for, for home field in the, in the NFC, they, they're still the defending Super Bowl champs. I think they have the third best odds still to, to go ahead and win the Super Bowl. I mean, they have Super Bowl dreams and aspirations and, and Tom Brady's not going to let a guy like that walk out the door when he's short of weapons. So um, yes, things are, you know, the, the, these teams and these owners and these coaches, Gary are, are unbelievably, you know, hypocritical, when it comes to some of this stuff and clearly Brown is just the latest case in Tampa. Yeah. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Good time to segue into the NFC playoffs and the Packers obviously are clearly in the driver's seat. Uh, they went out in their final three games. They host all their playoff games at Lambeau field. And Rob, I didn't, I didn't realize this till this morning. I, I knew they were unbeaten at Lambeau this season. Okay. But do you know how many other teams in the NFL are unbeaten at home? Oh, I bet it's a pretty low number, Gary. Um, I, I couldn't believe this. I, I mean, I, I never spent any time looking at it, but I, I yeah, just said, no, I, I don't either. Yeah, um, I'm gonna guess two. Zero. No, nobody, huh? Wow. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You would think at some point some team would be undefeated, but uh, at home. But uh, that's not the case. And then you look at Arizona, and they play better on the road than they do at home. So uh, kind of crazy. But, I mean, let's face it, that, that would be a huge advantage. Of, you know, the Packers had uh, home field advantage at Lambeau, and especially with the weather. I mean, the weather's been crazy cold now, and it's going to get colder. So, But uh, what, what if the Packers, you know, stumbled along the way and lost a game or even two? I mean, that, that game against Minnesota, I, I think, is going to be very intriguing. I, I think it's a pot, potential loss. But, uh, again, if they take care of their business, they're, they're going to be in really nice shape. And they, they have uh, Cleveland, and they have Minnesota, and they have Detroit. And the, two of the, those, those first two games with Cleveland and Minnesota at Lambeau and then at Detroit, I would imagine, Rob, uh, what? What are you saying? Three and zero, or two and one, or how do you see that playing out? No, Gary, I, I'd be shocked if they don't run the table here and get get themselves to fourteen and three, and 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 finish the year 
what would that be a six, seven game winning streak when, when, when it's all said and done, they, they, they're really peaking, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There, there's a few reasons for concern, Gary, on the defensive side of the ball. They haven't been a sharp in, in, in recent weeks and, and, and certainly let Baltimore back in the game last Sunday and let, let a backup quarterback certainly have his day and his moment in the sun. But when you and I are doing this podcast right now, we're about, oh, I don't know, six, seven hours away from the, well, actually the Browns game just finished. We, we've got two more tonight. Um, you know, Cleveland doesn't know what it's what it's quarterback situation is going to look like even even when baker mayfield has played gary um he's been a huge disappointment this year i know he's fighting through some injuries and and things like that but but i i think they're going to move on from him in the offseason they're seven and seven right now fighting for a playoff spot and and i just don't think they're all that good gary i you're you're going to get a jazzed up crowd that's had you know um, a whole lot of eggnog before the game on Sunday, Gary, that uh, is, is going to run into Lambeau field and, and be wild and loud and crazy. It's going to be a huge, huge home field advantage. Great atmosphere. I anticipate uh, on Christmas day. You're right, Gary. The one, the only one on the schedule to me that that seems a bit concerning is, is Minnesota. They're back in the playoff hunt now, seven and seven themselves after beating the bears Monday and, and really in, really in, you know, really in a fight for one of those last couple of spots. And I, I don't know, Gary, that their, their defense, it, it seems to be getting better. Uh, they should get Adam Thielen back in, in the next week or so that that's a really explosive offense. We saw them beat green Bay. I don't know about a month ago. That's the Packers last loss, the 34 31 game up in Minnesota, you know, Gary, Matt LaFleur is 14 and two against the division uh, since he, since he showed up in 2019 his only two losses are to Minnesota. He's three and two against those guys. He's, he's skunked everybody else. So Minnesota worries you a little bit. And, you know, Detroit in week 18, Gary is, I mean, as long as Green Bay shows up, they, they should take care of business. I'm, I'm sure Arizona felt a similar way last week. But um, <laughs> You beat they, me to the punch, yep. Yeah, no, and then they got smoked 30 to 12 in, in that game. But I'm, I'm telling you, Gary, with, with so much to play for, you know, the, the Packers should be extremely motivated, not just the home field, not the 80,000 crazies that are going to be screaming for them. I mean, remember, Gary, in that NFC title game last year, there were about 10,000 fans is all. So we'll multiply that by eight this year. And um, the, the home field advantage, whoever it is against um, along the way in the divisional round and then, and then the NFC title game sh- should be substantial. But then, Gary, j- just from a rest standpoint, um, you know, yeah. we've talked all year how beat up this group is. It certainly would, you know, we're going to find out here over the next two or three weeks a lot more on guys like Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, what their, you know, what, what their prognosis is for, for helping this team if they can at all down the stretch. But, Gary, to give guys like that an extra week, to give, to give the guys, you know, the, the, the regular 53-man roster an extra week off uh, would be huge. You see the risk week in and week out, Gary. I mean, just just go to Sunday night, right when Tampa Bay plays New Orleans, and and they've got guys, you know, falling like flies. If if Green Bay is sitting at home in front of their fireplaces, you know, watching the Rams play the Cowboys or something like that, yeah. um, it, it's a far better place to be than than trotting your group out there. Not only you know risking um, an upset loss, Gary, but but certainly in a, in a given game, you're, you're bound to lose two or three players. So 
just from that standpoint, it, the home field is enormous. Uh, Green Bay's opponents combined record, Gary, down the stretch is 16 and 24. I mean, the, the three teams are not very good across the board. Um, you know, that's about a 400 winning percentage. Tampa's is even lower. Um, I think their last three teams, Gary, are combined 13 and 29. But that was a terrible loss that they had on, on Sunday night to, to New Orleans. It really puts them behind the eighth ball. They fell from the one to the three or from the two to the three seed, Gary, with that loss. Dallas actually jumped up over them for the time being. Dallas is in the two hole. Arizona, Gary, which is in a free fall, uh, lost the last couple of games home to the Rams at Detroit. They are now 10 and four. They're in the four hole. And, and the Rams are nine and four, Gary, as, as we do this, they'll have Seattle tonight with a chance to get to 10 and four. It wouldn't shock me at all, Gary, if the Rams wind up passing Arizona um, and, and win that division. And, and you and I have talked about it a lot on the podcast this year. There's a lot of star power on that Rams roster that that's a team not, not a lot of people want to play. Arizona right now in a free fall, they don't look quite as dangerous. The Rams do. Dallas does. Um, Tampa, I'm not quite sure on, Gary. They've got to get it figured out here over the next three weeks because they look pretty lousy on Sunday night and they suffered a lot of injuries. So, uh, But at so, the end of the so, day, Gary, Green Bay has established itself as, as a huge favorite, I think, in the conference coming down the stretch. And, and the road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Lambeau. And they haven't always done a great job with that, Gary, in, in the Rodgers era. They had home field in 11. They blew it. They had home field uh, last year against Tampa Bay, and they blew it. And, and this is, this has got to be an opportunity, Gary, that they take advantage of. Yeah. If you were going to pick one team that could overtake the Packers that at this point, who would you put your money on? In the race for number one seed? Yep. See, Tampa's got to gain two games in three weeks to pass them, Gary, just because Green Bay's Green Bay's got a tiebreaker there in terms of that loss to the Chiefs was outside the conference. So that's not nearly as damaging as a conference loss when we start getting into all these tiebreakers. I would say this, the one team I would never want to see in, in an NFC playoff game would be Tampa Bay because Tom Brady's track record just suggests he could line up with you and I, Gary, at, at tight end and, and right guard, and he'd still probably find a way to win that football game because he's Tom frickin' Brady, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's that good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in terms now, the way it sets up, Gary, in terms of who could pass these guys, I mean, they've got the head-to-head -head against against the Rams. So even if the Rams can get to 13-4, and four, Green Bay, let's say they both were 13-4, and four, Green Bay's going to win that tiebreaker. It, it, it looks like Dallas, Gary. Exactly. I, mean, it really does. I, I agree. Oh. That that would be the team I would select. And and not a and not a crazy hard schedule coming down the stretch. Home with Washington, who again has no idea who their quarterback is going to be um, right now with two guys in the in the COVID protocol. Home with Arizona, who's in a free fall, and then at Philadelphia. Now that at Philly game is tricky, Gary, because the Eagles could be fighting for one of those last playoff spots right now. You know, that they're right in the hunt for one of those. But but it would probably be Dallas, Gary, is maybe the only team that could jump up at this point and steal home field from them. But again, home field is not an end-all, Gary. And there's a now, – now, Dallas wouldn't worry me as much in the playoffs, Gary. I'm, I'm, I just haven't bought into them all year, especially, especially with that head coach who continues to, 
you know, make mind boggling decisions when it comes to clock management decisions. And, and we saw that again last week in, in the giants game. I just, I don't know what that guy is doing, but. Um, <laughs> okay. Would you take him or Harbaugh for, for game game decisions? Jim or John? <laughs> John. After, after what I saw against the Packers last I week, I, I found that incredible. So you're, you're telling me you want to kick the extra point. I definitely wanted to kick the extra point and that decision to go for it on fourth and what was it, five in their own territory, like when they were, what, at the 25? Yeah, I, I mean, think they were on 28-17 at the time. And yeah. They, they did hold Green Bay to a field goal to keep it within two scores. I, you know, I get the logic there though, Gary, and, and I'm old school like you. I take points when they're available. The first drive of the game, when the Ravens went for it on fourth down and, did, and didn't kick the field goal, you look back now, had they had those three points, Gary, they win the football game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And see, I didn't have a problem with that, Rob, because it's so early in the game. You know, I mean, you can take those risks. But. I don't know, Gary. Points are points. You get them when you can get them in that league. Right. And, you know, I, I, I'm big on the old Tom Landry school. Um, I, I get my points whenever they are there for me and, the, and they're available. You know, Gary, I didn't have a, 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 a problem with him going for two as much as I did with that play call. Uh, rolling the quarterback out, leaving yourself with only a third of the field, a quarter of the field to work with, and ta- and really, Gary, limiting it now to one option in the pass game, which was obviously Andrews, the tight end, and and that allowed Savage to crash down and 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 double team there. You watched Huntley, Gary, in the last five minutes run for two touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 they came right up the gut. So why not drop him straight back? give him yep. the entire field to work with. And then he's got three or four options in the pass game, Gary, and he can beat you with his feet. Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. I, I get it. Um, you might not, you, you might feel fortunate that the, if you're John Harbaugh, that that game is 31 30 and you've even got a chance and now you're going to roll the dice and go for two. Um, I, I get that. I just didn't get the play call whatsoever. In, in yeah. Terms of rolling yeah. You, you know, Rob, if that would have been Matt Nagy, who doesn't have the cachet that yep. Harbaugh has with a Super Bowl win, and he that play didn't pull off, he'd be gone today. It's like different circumstances for different coaches. But if I was Harbaugh, I would kick the X point, gone in overtime, and said, you know what, we got a fresh start, and and more importantly, they had momentum on their side. I mean, they made a hell of a comeback, and uh, I would have took my chances there. But to say you're, this game's going to be determined by one play, uh, I didn't like it. Gary, he kind of dug his own grave though along the way on that on that last potential, uh, you know, game tying drive. There, there were 42 seconds left when they scored. Right, that that's a lifetime. Yes, exactly. Yeah, go down and, and and kick a field goal. But if you go watch, if you go back and watch when Huntley uh, scored the had the run to make it 31-30, Gary. They snapped the ball with 14 seconds left on the clock. Great observation. Yep. Great observation. Now let that sucker tick down to one or two. Yep. And now instead of Rogers having 42 seconds to maybe win the game, he's got 28 or 29 seconds, Gary. San Francisco made the exact same mistake and Garoppolo did early in the season when the, when the Packers came back and I think they won that game 30, 28, Gary, if you remember San Francisco scored, I don't know. What was it, Gary? 20, 22, 24 seconds. They left Rogers just enough time to make two passes 
to Adams and Crosby to hit a long field goal to win that game out in San Francisco. I think that was week three, Gary. And, and Garoppolo did the exact same thing. He was snapping the ball with 12, 14, 15 left on the clock. I mean, if you're really trying to burn the clock and not give Rodgers one more chance, let that stupid thing go down to one. Let it go to two, you know, before, before you snap the ball. And had, had Harbaugh, had Huntley done that, Gary, then I think you can say, yeah, absolutely kick the extra point because now Rodgers doesn't have enough time and you take your chances in overtime. And, and if you win the toss, Gary, the way they were moving up and down the field in the last five minutes against seven, eight minutes even against the Packer defense, I mean, I'm not so sure Baltimore wasn't going to go score the, you know, score the game-winning touchdown on, on its first possession, Gary. Yes. So, yes. yeah, that, that, there's a lot there that they absolutely messed up. I have argued for years, Gary, or, or, or said I wish someone would give me a quarter million dollars just to be the, the clock management guy for a team, to, <laughs> to, to, you know, to be the guy to tell a coach, go for one or two, to be the numbers guy. Because, Gary, week in and week out, we see this all over the league. There is so much ineptitude. In, in that area of football, even now, as, as many people as these guys have on their staffs, coaches designed to do A, B, C, and D, some of these guys still can't get those, those numbers right, Gary, and the clock stuff right, you know, starting with Mike McCarthy in Dallas, and it's just, it's absolutely mystifying to me. So I, I'm getting the impression, Rob, you're going to vote for McCarthy for coach of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gary, I tell you, Gary, it's, funny, it's funny you brought that up, Gary. I, I, I heard a guy, and I don't want to get off the tangent too much. I heard We've never done that on this podcast. Yeah, have we? I guess that's what we're best at. Um, <laughs> I, I, I heard a guy on a talk show this week lobbying for Brian Flores in Miami to be coach of the year because okay. they've won six in a row, and they are now seven and seven. They're a 500 football team. And his point was that, you know, they didn't give up, and they've gotten hot, yada, yada, yada completely overlooking Gary, the point that this team, which is very talented, they got a nice roster started the year one and seven. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, Fleur never gets a mention for that. I mean, maybe he will, I guess, Gary, if they can get themselves to 14 and three, but it's, but it's always these mid-level guys that, that took crappy or mediocre teams and, and made them a little bit better. I just, I just don't get it, but uh, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it, my, my vote though will not be for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Hey, uh, two topics I wanted to uh, address from last Sunday's game. One was uh, Valdez Gantling uh, coming around and uh, having a nice game. And then also the Packers inability to cover uh, Mark Andrews, the, the really good tight end for the Ravens, but uh, let's let's start with uh, Veldez Gantling, Rob. That I think it's his fourth year with the Packers, and every year we heard about how this guy was on the verge of you know having a breakout season. But I got a feeling that maybe it's going to happen now. Um, he had a heck of a game Sunday, and of course he has teased us way too many times over the last three four years of having a good game and then going going south, but. Um, in the last four games, he has had 16 catches, which, which isn't great. It's not Pro Bowl material, but it's definitely good numbers for a number two receiver. And against the Ravens, he had 98 yards and one touchdown. Has Valdez Scantling turned the corner, or, or are we going to be teased again? 
Boy, Gary, he, he just feels like that woman at the bar that gives you the six numbers <laughs> of her phone number and not the seventh, doesn't he? I'm, I, I, I hate to buy in on that. I, I really do. I just, I, I, I know I've it's thought, not easy at all. I've I, thought I, I half totally a dozen agree. times since he showed up in, in 18. All right. He's got it figured out. All right. This is his year. All right. This is his time. And every single time Gary, something happens and he fades to black. Um, you remember he, you know, he closed 18 pretty strong. They made him a starter in 19. And by the time the 19 season ended, Gary, he was number five on the wide receiver depth chart because mm-hmm. they, they just couldn't trust him. Then, then last year, you know, we, we, they, they tell you over and over again about the strides he's made and, and this year as well. And, and injuries crop in and drops and inconsistency. Gary, he's just a hard guy to buy into. You are right. He's put together a nice month here. He was very good the other day. I mean, that they, 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 they doubled Devonte the entire game. They just said Adams is not going to beat us. I mean, if you go back and watch that game again, it, it, it's wild to watch Gary, a guy line up right at the line of scrimmage opposite of Adams. And then another guy about 10 yards deeper down the field, you know, lined up in, in a, in a parallel line with uh-huh. Adams, the corner, and then there's corner number two. I mean, they, they made no bones or didn't hide it whatsoever. They just said, we're going to double you. And one of these other jokers has to beat us. Well, Valdez Scantling stepped up in, in that game, Gary, you know, he, he was targeted seven times, which is just as many as Adams, you know, the five catches for 98 yards yet. He, he had the one big touchdown. Um, they need him, Gary. If, if, if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, if they're going to get over the hump, I agree. Um, I, I really do think, you know, if, if I, if I listed you here, three to five players that, you know, Gary, that, that they have to have um, step up their game and, and probably exceed what our expectations are of them. MVS is certainly in, in that group. You look at, you know, even without Godwin, Gary, you, you look at what Tampa will bring mm-hmm. potentially to green Bay in the playoffs, right. With, with yeah. Evans and now, and now Brown and, and Gronk and, and, and the second year kid out of, out of Minnesota and Scotty Miller, who, who smoked uh, Kevin King in the, in the NFC title game last year for, for the touchdown right before half. I mean, they, you know, they, they've got two really good running backs, a, a good offensive line. I, I, I don't know, Gary, sometimes how green Bay continues to get it done on offense. Um, I'm trying to think Gary, and do the math in my head quick, but I, I think they're at 143 points in, in their last, four games yeah right? they're they're on fire which would be about you know 35 36 points 35 7 5 it would be gary per game it's crazy um the way and, and the you know what Rob? they have left points on the table i know, know they have i mean and each game gary, is probably at least one touchdown so well and gary they, they, they've been dreadful in the first quarter um yes. You know, they, they, they've, they've been outscored like two to one through the course of the year. I think it's 71 to 34 in the first quarter. I mean, you think about that now, Gary, they're, they're 14 games into the year and they have 34 points. And in, in, in the first quarter, we're talking less than two and a half points per game in the first quarter. And then they just kind of go nuts much like they did in the bears game two weeks ago. And, and, you know, and then they really got it ramped up on, on Sunday, Gary, against the Ravens. But just back to MVS, Gary, I mean, none of us know the answer, I guess, on that. They're crossing their fingers and hoping and praying and, 
and you know the, they coddle him Gary you know Rogers is good to him you see Rogers do the eye roll and light up a lot of guys he everybody needs different kind of coaching Gary some guys need tough love some guys some guys you know need to have somebody put their arms around him and give him a big hug uh MVS seems to be the latter in that group he he seems to be somebody that, you know, he needs Rogers no matter what is going on to, to still be in his corner and still be his pal. Uh, he, he's, he's taken it up a notch Gary in, in the last four weeks since he, since he came back from injury. Um, and if they're going to make a Super Bowl run, he's, he's got to be big in that Gary, because I just, I don't see guys like Lazard St. Brown. We'll see what, if, and when Cobb can come back, you know, this, this group of tight ends, I just, I don't know where that number two weapon is necessarily. I mean, maybe it's Aaron Jones or, or Dylan out of the running back group, Gary, but in a perfect world, it's MVS. And no, no question. He's going to draw single coverage, Gary, because Adams is so good. He can take, he can take it deep. He'll, he'll split a defense. Um, he can draw a lot of attention when it, when he, when he runs the deep routes and it, and it opens things up uh, in, in the short to intermediate range for some of these other guys. So yeah, there, there is no question about it. He he's as big a key to that offense as almost anybody, Gary. And uh, you know, like I said, if, if, if they're going to find a way to get to the 56th Super Bowl, uh, he, he's got to be huge coming down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, subject I wanted to uh, briefly touch on is, is the tight end coverage. And for, for the most part, Darnell Savage has, has played pretty well this season, but uh, against the Ravens, he, he was not good uh, to be charitable. Uh, of course, he had to guard Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews is arguably one of the top five tight ends in the game. But, Rob, as you all know, there's a lot of good tight ends in this game, and the Packers, once they get into the playoff, are going to get a spate of good tight ends. I mean, they could come across Kittle in San Francisco. They could come across Schultz in Dallas. They could come across Across, of course, Gronkowski in Tampa Bay and uh, Higby with with the Rams, and maybe this was a fluke, you know, that Savage just did not have a good game. It, it wasn't his day, but I'll tell you what, I'm sure there are a lot of teams out there that took notice of that, and uh, to me, it's got to be a concern, and the Packers have to uh, make the proper adjustments. No, I, I'm, I'm with you, Gary. You know, Andrews might be the second best guy in the league behind Kelsey. Uh, although Kittle's right there too, like, like you mentioned, and, and you're spot on. There's, there's some good ones in the conference, even, even Ertz with, with Arizona now could, yes. could come back and they could see a guy like him when, when the playoffs get here. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of good ones and I'm with you. Savage is a pretty good young player and he's had a solid year. He's not a pro bowl player, but he's probably an alternate kind of a kid. And Gary Andrews just ate him up. I mean, he did. I think it was six for 95 in the first half and a couple of touchdowns. I mean, one even was the moon ball. Uh, I think, I think it was shortly before halftime that where Andrews had a step on Savage, the ball was lobbed to, to such a ludicrous height. And instead of Huntley putting it right on Andrews, he kind of threw the lob ball, Gary and Savage overran the play and Andrews made the proper adjustment and came back and caught the ball and Savage had run past him already. So um, I mean, not only was he getting beat, Gary, he, he looked bad getting beat and, and they, and they gave, you know, they, they took some of that pressure off of him in the second half. Kevin King drew that assignment, um, a little bit more in the second half, yep. Gary, and 
you know, I mean, Andrews still finished 10 for 136 and two touchdowns. So it's not like he went away quietly in the second half either. He had four catches there for, for 41 yards. But for now, at least, Gary, I'm going to write it off because, again, I've, I've seen more good than bad from Savage. I'm going to write it off as just one of those nights where, you know, just things don't go your way. Kind of like a Kevin Durant, Gary, shooting, you know, five of 23 from the floor or something like that. Just one of those nights. I, I still think Savage is, is, is a pretty quality starter, Gary. He, he's a guy you could win a Super Bowl with. He certainly, you know, when, when you when you examine the roster at the end of the year, you always say, all right, what you know, which starters here do you want to replace? Um, and you and you kind of attack it that way a lot of times from a GM seat. He's obviously uh, a guy who's going to be a big part of their future. He's he's yep. not a guy you, you know you're even considering replacing. But Andrews made him look really bad, and and you're right, it's something they've got to get cleaned up. They've got to get it fixed. They have the next three weeks to do it. I guess the good news for them, Gary, is, um, you know, they won't have to do it against high, high level tight ends. The Browns really don't have one. Minnesota's are okay. Hawkinson's out right now. Um, and I think he's done for the year with the Lions. So they can, they can get things figured out before they, they get back on the field against, you know, one of these Pro Bowl level tight ends, Gary. Out of all their problems, Gary, and I agree that was one of them. It is interesting, though. I, I would still go back and point to special teams as the number one problem. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I, I was going to see how far we could go into the podcast. Without... <laughs> when, when <laughs> my my over-under was 20 minutes. <laughs> when we get a half an hour, 40 minutes today? Yeah, I don't know. But, um, I mean, that they were – isn't it wild, Gary, that that they spent the whole week talking about special teams, that, that Lafleur said it's all hands on deck, that he was going to get more heavily involved? You even saw Aaron Jones out there at one point in time, you know, fair catching a ball. I mean, you 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 saw starters. Hey, that was a plus, Rob. That fair catch. That was a plus. That is a plus for them. You're a thousand percent right. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and you still saw a comedy of errors. It, again, it wasn't quite as bad as the Bears game, but it was it it, it, it was pretty dreadful. But um, no, I you know Gary, out of all their problems, where I'm going with that is is you know. A, I don't think Darnell Savage ranks even close to the no, to the no, not at all. Look to the postseason. I, I I will write it off as just kind of one of those nights. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, that game was a game from hell for him. I, I remember he had a chance to make a tackle. He blew the tackle, and he was also penalized. Right? Didn't he get a penalized for something? I, I'm trying to remember, but I, I, yeah, I, he may have gotten a pi on a catch, Gary that Andrews even had, I'd have to go back and I, I don't yeah. remember. But, but yeah, I mean, that, I, I don't That's know where he right. was on, on Sunday, but uh, he, he's definitely got to turn it around going forward. So, Hey, the other thing uh, I wanted to bring up today with you is you uh, did a really nice piece on the Packers dominance of the NFC North. And uh, it, it's absolutely crazy. Maybe, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what you wrote and uh how amazed I, I, I know I am and, and you are as well uh, uh, about the Packers dominance. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it really is Gary that the stretch they're in the middle of right now. Yeah. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the fan base just takes winning the division for granted right now, Gary, Yeah, because it's, it's, it's been kind of common practice for them since 95. Um, you remember when they won the division in 95, Gary, that was the Yancey Thigpen game 
where they beat, they beat Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve um, at Lambeau Field and in a game where the Steelers were about to win and Yancey Thigpen, the Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Steelers, dropped a pass standing yep. wide open in the end zone. I think Green Bay escaped like 24-19 or something like that that day, Gary. Since then, Green Bay has absolutely owned the division. But what people don't realize, Gary, is when they won the division that year in, in 1995, that was the first time in 24 years that they had won the division. We, we went to divisional play. You know what, Rob? I didn't realize that. That's, that is incredible. 24 years. It was a quarter century drought almost, Gary, that they had, oh. that they had gone without winning. I mean, they dominated in the 60s, obviously. I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, I, I mean, it really, it really was. I, 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 again, and, and there's a whole generation, Gary, of very spoiled Packer fans today and all, you know, 30-year-old kids. And all they know is winning, Gary, because all they have seen is Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And when they win the NFC North, most people these days just kind of yawn, Gary, and go, okay, well, who, who are they going to play in the playoffs? Are they in the NFC Championship game? God dang it, they didn't make the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the mentality. But yeah. there was a lot of losing for the better part of three decades from, from, from the end of the Bart Starr years, Gary, until Brett Favre showed up. Green Bay has now, Gary, won eight of the last 11 divisional titles. And the only time we went to divisional play, Gary, in, in 1968, up until then, it had only been two conferences, and then they broke it into divisions. And when they went to that division, Gary, it was, it was Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, just like it is today. Gary, 10 of the first 11 years that they were in divisional play, Minnesota won the division. Mm -hmm. um, Bud Grant's Vikings, Bud Grant. Grant Parkington, the Purple People Eaters, they absolutely dominated the division. Tampa came in, Gary, in maybe 77 or 78, somewhere right in there, it seems like, maybe even 76. But by 79, Gary, um, oh, I just looked it up, 77, Tampa Bay joined the division. Okay, by 79, Gary, Tampa had won it, and then it bounced around a little bit. And then from 84 to 88, all five years, five in a row, the Bears won it with Mike Ditka and those unbelievably great yeah. defense that Chicago had. <laughs> Chicago won, Gary, six to seven overall. But after 1990, Gary, the Bears didn't win it for 11 years in a row. And that's when Green Bay started to assert itself, Gary. They won three in a row from 95 to 97. They did not win it in 98, Gary, with Ray Rhodes. Remember, Randy Moss came in the division then, and and you know and, what? Or ninety, I'm sorry, ninety nine with Ray Rhodes. Randy Moss came in, Gary, in ninety eight, and really started to change the landscape of that division. And then Holmgren left, and then in ninety nine, Gary, with they had the eight and eight Ray Rhodes year, and and that obviously didn't go well. Remember how Ron Wolf saw enough after one year of Ray Rhodes and fired him, right? When, did, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? I, I wish Ron Ro, Ron Rhodes, <laughs> uh, Ron Wolf was running our country. <laughs> Can you imagine how you wouldn't tolerate any of this crap? <laughs> it, it, it was just fantastic. I, I think to me, Gary, it's still the most brilliant management decision I've ever seen in sports. I mean, absolutely. If, if, yeah. If you simply know something is not working and is not going to work, why live with the problem? Don't let your ego get in the way, right? Yep. And, Ron, yep. and Ron Wolf said, fine. I screwed it up. I bleeped it up badly. 
and, and let's move on and, and, and deal with it. And, and he did, you know, he, he did largely fix it from a head coaching standpoint when he, when he brought in Mike Sherman, um, he just, he made the mistake obviously of giving Sherman the GM role, but, you know, back to that specifically, Gary, you know, I talk to athletic directors and people like that across our state all the time. And they're like, well, I'm having a tough time deciding on this coach or that coach. And my, and my whole point is I say this to them all the time. I bring up Ron Wolf's name all the time, Gary. It's funny. You met, you mentioned that if, if you know, things are going in the wrong direction, if you know, things aren't going to work, who cares how long that coach has been there? You can yeah. figure that stuff out in a hurry. I don't care if he's been there six months, six years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. And no, to, to your point, Gary, what, what he did there with Ray Rhodes was just brilliant. It was, it was, it was terrific. And again, if, if, if you've got a problem, why, why let it linger? So, yeah, you know, back to the North though, quickly, Gary, you know, Green Bay started taking it over again. Then in, in the Mike Sherman years, they, they won it. Uh, three in a row from 02 to 04 and four of six overall. Um, they won it again, Gary, in 07 when McCarthy was in his second year with Brett Favre. Uh, but then when Favre left, Gary, they didn't win it in eight, nine, or 10. And it took them until 11 to get it back. But here we are, Gary, from 11 through 21, they've got eight of the last 11 divisional titles. Um, and like I said earlier, the only time in the hit, the 50 year to history of this division, Gary, that we have seen this level of dominance came from those Bud Grand Vikings in the seventies. And when you think back to that, Gary, you know, Pittsburgh's a prime example of this in that time, Dallas, the Raiders, if you could build an outstanding football team without free agency around, which it wasn't to get in the way back then, you could be great for 10 years. And, and a lot of those teams were. So what Green Bay has done, Gary, this last 11-year window here to win the division eight times, to me, is absolutely remarkable. It, it shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, again, people are spoiled. They take this stuff for granted. They kind of yawn when someone says, yeah, they just won the division. Gary, I'm old enough to remember back to 95 when Yancey Thigpen dropped that football. That was a remarkable deal in Packer Nation that, that they had ended almost a 25-year drought of winning the division now i now i know it's 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 just kind of expected and things like that but gary even with this recent run of of divisional titles minnesota still leads overall in the history of the division which started out the north then went to the central when tampa bay joined in and now it's called the called the north again obviously but uh but the vikings have 20 gary and green bay has 17 so green bay is closing quickly kind of like they kind of like they did in that, you know, history of the rivalry with the bears, right? Sure, they kept closing sure. and closing and then eventually passed them here late in the Rogers years, but Minnesota still leads Gary with 20. Then it's green Bay with 17, the bears with 11. You're going to love this Tampa Bay, which was only around about 20 years, Gary won three and <laughs> Detroit, which has been around for all 55 years of this thing has three as well so oh my all Lord. these years and the lions have three divisional titles gary well you, you know what you just brought up the uh, the lions uh situation three three division titles i, I remember a couple of weeks ago a, a reporter in the state tweeted about about how the packers under lafleur have have compiled this gaudy record what is it now that he was 13 3 13 3 and now whatever and now he's 11 and 3 so that's 37 and 9 gary 
And, and he, like you said, he was poo-pooing the idea, like, so what? It doesn't mean anything unless you win, you know, <laughs> go to the Super Bowl or whatever. Are you kidding? It, it does mean things because you, you have to have fan interest. And, and, and fan interest in Detroit is just god-awful right now. Um, the, what the what LaFleur has done and, and what the Packers have done, it, it's just amazing. And I don't think you should take regular season records, especially in the in the NFL, for granted. It, it's not easy doing what LaFleur has done. No, and, and the key to all this, Gary, is to dominate the division, right, to, to build the kind of record you want um, to eventually – capture home field like we talked about earlier to 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 win your conference things like that lafleur gary is 14 and 2 in the division that's an 875 winning percentage i mean that's that's yeah. ludicrous mike mccarthy for years gary dominated the division and then his record took a hit in 17 and 18 when um you know 17 rogers suffered the broken collarbone 18 the writing was on the wall he was out the door and they fired him with four weeks left in 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 the season that year but Gary you take those couple of years out of there and what Green Bay has really done against the division let's call it since 07 when they went 13 and 3 and Favre took them to the NFC title game what they've really done against the division here Gary the better part of 15 years is, is absolutely remarkable and and I'm with you it's a really hard league to win in it it really is even though the Packers have this gaudy record right now, Gary, think of how many games they've had this year that, that, that could have gone the other way. Sundays could have yeah. gone the other way, right? That, no that game we talked about earlier at San Francisco certainly could have gone the other way. They, they had that overtime game against the Bengals that could have gone the other way. I mean, and yeah. now all of a sudden we're now all of a sudden we're talking about what an eight and six team instead of an 11 and three team, right? I mean, week in and week out, this league is a beast. Gary. So what LaFleur and this group have done uh, should be commended. What LaFleur has done since he showed up, Gary, 37 and nine, a winning percentage over 800. I think it's 805. It's absolutely unheard of. It's, it's remarkable. And I do find it comical on many levels, Gary, that people say people don't even mention him for, for coach of the year because they say, well, he's got a great team. He's got Aaron Rodgers. I I don't care, Gary, to still go and win 80% of your football games. Uh, year in and year out is is absolutely nuts. At some point in time, that that guy deserves one of those awards. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I found that ludicrous, you know. And and you see the odds makers; they they don't even have them in the top three, and uh, they they take it for granted. And that's the thing when you have a superstar player. You know, in the NBA, it's one thing. Let take the Bucks for instance. You got Giannis, okay. Giannis makes everybody look good because one player can thoroughly dominate the league. Okay. You can't do that in the NFL. You can't do that in major league baseball. And, and for writers to believe that everything is, you know, dependent on Aaron Rodgers, I, I think it's just misguided. Uh, it, it's a whole different game than the other sports. Oh, I, I I'm with you entirely. He, I, I don't even know who the front runners are, Gary. I haven't looked at the numbers you know, I know for a while, Cliff Kingsbury was, was the flavor of the day. Bill, Bill Belichick deserves a lot of credit for turning that around. What, what he's done, uh, you know, this, this year, I, I I'm guessing Frank Reich has probably thrown his name in the discussion here in the last month, the way the, the Colts have rallied. And I mean, I, again, I don't even know who else Gary, I, I look around the league though, uh, to me, Gary, you, you've got a tough argument to make picking anybody right now uh, other than Matt LaFleur. And I would argue the same thing with Brian Gutekunst 
for executive of the year in, in terms of what that, what that management team and those couple of guys Gary had to deal with in the off season with the prima donna quarterback holding out, uh, you know, causing a stink, making headlines every few days about this, that, or the other thing, them holding their ground, bringing him back. Um, you know, LaFleur really has a decent relationship with him. I think Gary top to bottom. I don't think it's the same, obviously with Gutekunst, but Gutekunst never folded his cards and traded him. He knew he had all the leverage at the time. Uh, Rogers has more of that leverage today, obviously, because the, the final year of his contract was voided, but at least looking back to last summer, Brian Gutekunst never, you know, never threw his, threw his cards in the middle and said, screw it. And um, LaFleur has done a magnificent job. I think, you know, keeping everybody, keeping the peace, let's say, and, and, and again, keeping everybody on, on the same page here, Gary. Um, again, I, 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 you know me, I'm not a rah-rah. I'm not a homer. I'm not one of those guys whatsoever. Oh, but you are you know, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course not. Oh, you know, but, but Gary, outside of Bill Belichick taking, you know, a sub 500 New England team from last year, I just, the way this is all unfolding and shaping up, I just, I just don't, I don't see anybody else I'd even consider voting over Matt LaFleur for coach of the year. And again, you know, for a month here, I have lobbied for Brian Gutekunst to be the executive of the year, the GM of the year, just because of the rash of injuries that hit that organization. And he put together a roster one to 53 that was as good and as deep as anybody. Yeah, and no, they, no, I, to... I, I concur 100% with your assessment. Um, but I, my gut feeling is the, the guy in LA is going to get the GM award, less need, right? Why? I, okay, may, maybe. I, again, yeah, and the reason I say that is he, he brought in a wild his, card team, though, Gary. I know, but the, he brought in all these sexy moves, you know, Stafford and Von Miller and, they're, they're, you know, the media gets into that. They get caught up in the hype. And, but, but I agree with you. I, I would give Gutekunz and uh, Emma Florida the awards, but uh, we'll see. Hey, yeah, uh, we're coming down the stretch here. We're in the, the two-minute warning. Oh, boy. Um, just your thoughts on the Packers-Browns game. Uh, I saw the Browns play the other night. and They, they actually looked respectable. They, they seemed like a team together. I mean, Miles Garrett is an absolute beast. Uh, I mean, he's got to be one of the best. I mean, that goes without saying, one of the best defense players in the league. And Nick Chubb is a big time running back. And they're, not, I don't think they're a bad team at all. And if they still have a chance at the playoffs, I think the Packers cannot overlook them, just like the Cardinals shouldn't have overlooked the Lions. They, they could, could hang around and pose a problem. Gary, I, I think roster-wise, top to bottom, they're one of the top five in football. Wow. And if, if they can get the quarterback position figured out this offseason, they're 7-7 seven and seven right now, which is a huge disappointment. I, I think everybody expects they, – they were the favorites to win that division, Gary, when the season started. If Vegas had them first, Baltimore second, Pittsburgh third, Cincinnati fourth. Cincinnati amazingly is in first place in the division today. But, Gary, you know, going into that game last night against the Raiders – if, if Cleveland had found a way to win that game, Gary, they would have actually moved in into first place in the, in that AFC North. Now, Gary, by losing that game, and this just shows you how cluttered and muddled this whole thing is by losing that game, they were, they are now fourth 
that's how close that division is Gary. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, they are still right in the hunt. I mean, they, they, they've got as good. I mean, Baltimore is eight and six, Cincinnati's eight and six Pittsburgh's, I think seven, six and one. And, and then Cleveland seven and seven, but Cleveland was going to win those tiebreakers up top over Baltimore and Cincinnati and would have, would have been in first place in that division. But my point is there, Gary, if they can close strong two and one, three and oh, they'll probably find a way, you know, three and oh, definitely gets them into the playoffs. Two and one might. Um, Gary, you're exactly right. When you look to Sunday, here's what they're going to want to do. They've, they've got one of the three best offensive lines in football. They're going to want to hammer away on the ground, keep the ball away from Rogers. You mentioned Chubb. Um, I think Hunt is out. Kareem Hunt, I, mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see him, but they've got a nice backup named Johnson who, who has played a lot, and he'll play in this game as well. They're not dynamic at the wide receiver position, Gary, uh, since the trade of OBJ, but they're, they're pretty solid with, with, with Landry and Peoples-Jones. They've got a couple of solid tight ends. They're going to want to control the ball on the clock, Gary. The question still becomes, who's the quarterback uh, that right. night? Because right. They were down to their third stringer in the Raider game, he, he was actually pretty solid. I, I was, I was wasn't impressed. Bad. Yep, he wasn't terrible. Um, they've had some problems, Gary, on defense, and they thought they'd have a top five defense in football. That hasn't been the case. Um, so I think Rodgers will have a potential field day against them uh, come Sunday, Sunday afternoon. But, Gary, at the end of the day, Green Bay's got so much to play for, trying to hold on to that one seed, keep everything going through Lambeau Field when, when we look ahead to the playoffs. They're going to have a jazzed up 80,000 people screaming and yelling for them on Christmas. That that's a tough, that's a tough ask Gary for Cleveland to have to go on the road and play that game on Christmas. Green Bay finishes that game, Gary, and they go home and see their, see their families and kids by eight o'clock. The Browns will be traveling. That's not as much fun. Um, I, I like Green Bay Gary by at least a touchdown. Okay. So you're saying the Packers aren't going to cover. Because Vegas today, uh, as of uh, Tuesday, had the Packers at seven and a half, Rob. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I did say at least a touchdown. I'm going to go 30-20, Gary. I think they cover. You know what? I, I think the Packers are going to have another big score. I, I'll say it's going to be, I don't know, 34-24. to 24. Somewhere in that ballpark. But yeah, I mean, Rodgers is absolutely on fire right now. I mean, he, he's going through one of the best stretches, at least in my opinion, in his career. I mean, they, the guy is almost mach- an absolute machine these days. 13 touchdowns, no picks in his last four, Gary. And now he's you go. Front, front runner for MVP. Think of that. You know, I'm not going to go that far yet. I, I, I reserve judgment on the MVP race. Uh, you know, well, we'll get into that next week. How's that? No, that that's perfect. When I say front runner, though, Gary, I mean where the odds makers have him. So. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. That 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 doesn't mean a thing. Every individual voter is a separate entity. Some of them might love Jonathan Taylor. Some of them might love Patrick Mahomes. Some of them might love Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, but Vegas right now has moved Rodgers slightly ahead of Brady you know, one, two race coming down the stretch. That's close. And, and Jonathan Taylor's a little bit of a distant third, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. All, all worthy candidates. So yes. Hey Rob, uh, another delightful podcast. You're uh, definitely rounding into playoff form, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to wish you and, and your lovely family, a wonderful Christmas. And I also want to wish uh, 
Christmas greetings to our listeners. So everyone take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whoople and Whoople's Press Box.com.